Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, I'm starting to see um, some of the uh, the pollen on the right. vehicles. Yeah. You know, in the South, it's really interesting. You'll look up at the uh, pine trees and they'll have the, uh, like the balls of yellow. Yeah. I mean, it's just like waiting to explode. Oh, yeah. And then pretty soon, it's, yeah, it's everywhere on the ground. Like, it's like what we, it's like snow, but <laughs> it's, but it's spring. yellow. Yeah. Yellow snow, snow. which I've, is, I've heard something about yeah, that before. Yeah, sometimes yellow snow is not, not good, but this. Don't eat yellow <laughs> snow. And um, yeah, it's, but it's a great time of the year. It's going to be really warm. It's been night. What a great week, uh, weather-wise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, things are going to start blooming. We've got the Masters right around the corner. And, um, Not too far off. Are you yeah. a big March Madness I am, fan? yeah. Okay. Yeah, I went to a basketball school, so I'm a okay. big big bas- college basketball March Madness fan, so I'm excited for this yeah. month. Yeah. We, we need to get a, a, a bracket going. We do. Yeah, bragging yeah. rights or something. That, you know? That's always fun to to just track and, and uh, see who's who's pulling ahead. Usually it's people who don't know anything about the that's sport. Right. That's right. That's well. Like, this name sounds really fun. Or the color right? of the team or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, we've got a great show lined up uh, today. We've got two two really good topics. Uh, the first one we're going to start off with is, um, you know, the uh, what's happening over in uh, Ukraine. And, uh, you know, this is a very large geopolitical event, but it's not the first one. And we're going to look back at history a little bit. And we're also going to talk a little bit about our mutual fund company and how they approach uh, situations mm-hmm. like this. So it's pretty interesting. It's a little detailed, but uh, you know, st- stay with us, listen to it, because it is important to understand some of the history associated with it. Obviously, no one knows how it's going to turn out, and I think most people feel for the Ukrainians and what they're going through. But from a stock market standpoint, um, you know, it's easy to get emotional. So we're going to dive into that as well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And the next thing we're going to dive into is the question of how to encourage your kids to save. I think we know it's important to save. We know it's it's vital for their long-term financial health. But uh, how do you encourage kids to do that? Uh, that's that's a that's a harder question. So we're gonna look into that for our second uh, yeah. topic today. Yeah, and you have kids that are young, so that'll oh, be yeah. for your perspective. And I've had two yeah. kids go through the process, so yeah. that'll be yeah. fun. That'll yeah. be a good good topic. I'm again. eager to hear what you have to say. There so. you go. Awesome, awesome. Well, my, my name is John Travis. Uh, I have an MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey certified coach, and I have uh, this is hard to say, but I have 30 years of wow. experience in financial planning that's for good. corporations and individuals. That means just I'm getting older, right? No. No. Wiser. Wiser. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. And my name is Zach Albanese. Uh, I've been in the financial advisor industry for about three years now, uh, but did my undergrad in finance and and love thinking and talking about uh, this field for the last 15 years. So Yeah, fantastic. And uh, we're excited to have you listening today on our weekly show. We're up every single Friday morning. Uh, you can certainly go out to our website, moneymd.net and, or iTunes and listen uh, to past shows. It's, it's very easy to get to a lot of topics out there. Uh, we also have some really good uh, information on the website if you've never checked that out, uh, some budgeting tools and, and a retirement plan tool as well. And also a Facebook page. We have a uh, Facebook page is MoneyMD. And uh, Zach, I think you're doing the prescription of the week this week, I am. right? Yep. yep. Very good. Very good. So we're going to start off here with the uh, financial fact of the week. Yeah. So the financial fact of the week has to do with college. And the the and the fact is the average one year cost of tuition fees room and board at a private four year American college for the the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two school year was just over fifty thousand dollars fifty thousand five hundred and eighty. Yeah, it didn't say anything about food in there either. No, there, right? That's, yeah, that's there's that's a lot of more cost. room board tuition yeah. fees. Yeah, no food. Yeah, well, so right. when you look at like South Carolina and USC Aiken, I, I believe their costs are like you know. 
maybe ten to fifteen thousand. But then you have food and you have to stay somewhere. Yeah, right. Um, that does say say board, so but board, right, right. It, it is expensive. And so, gosh, fifty thousand times four, maybe five years. Um, yeah, there may be a different solution out there that you have to check out. I mean, that's a lot of debt coming out of uh, right, undergrad. Yeah. So. There are some scholarships available, but, um, you know, 529 plans, ESAs. If you haven't done college planning and you have kids, um, give us a call. Yeah, uh, look us seriously. up. <clears throat> We're happy to sit down with you and uh, kind of go through that, give you some ideas. Um, there's some pretty neat strategies out there that uh, for, for folks uh, that have young kids that we can kind of walk you through. And uh, But, man, that's a big number, 50,000. And that's today, yeah. I imagine, for my kids. and yeah. You know, ten years. Yeah, it'll be just one hundred and twenty-five, <laughs> some crazy number. But there are other other ways to do that, and we certainly recommend you take a look at that. Yeah. So, um, so our first article here is a, a discussion, and uh, it's an article out of uh, Dimensional Fund Advisors. Uh, full disclosure: that is the mutual fund company that we use and have for a long time now. Um, and um, you know, it's obviously in the news: the uh, the Russia invasion of Ukraine. We're in the middle of it, and uh, it's really an important reminder that that geopolitical risk is really a part of investing in global markets. And um, the cool thing is, is that the the DFA's approach is systematic, and it's designed to adjust to new information in real time, including information about these events and and potential repercussions for the market. So, you know, geopolitical events like uh, this military or even economic conflicts certainly affect the stock market in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. I mean, these, these events are, are normally, you know, followed by investors in the news media. And um, so our belief is, is that the current market prices incorporate, you know, expectations and the current information that we see out there about these companies and what's happening. So, so our investment approach really centers on using that current price, then, you know, instead of trying to outguess it, don't try to right. time this. Exactly. You know, if markets stay open and continue to function normally, um, you know, we'll continue to invest in the portfolios according to the usual process. And we also believe that the most effective way to, to mitigate these risks is through broad diversification. And we, we've talked about that a lot. So, you know, certainly the markets are reacting to this. But the, if you look at the Russian market, it's just being, you know, killed. I mean, it's down 50 or 60 percent. So, um, you know, the philosophy really applies to all crises, disaster, federal, uh, natural disasters, social unrest, pandemics. And so, you know, this approach is, um, it's been, it's been tried in a lot of different, uh, situations, but you know, it's, it's difficult right mm-hmm. now. The markets are down and there's a lot of negative news out there. Yeah. And sometimes uh, ge- geopolitical events will lead to restrictions on investors ability to, to trade in specific stocks or maybe use certain exchanges. Um, and one way this happens is through government sanctions, which we've seen a lot of sanctions, uh, put on Russia, yep. um, not just from us, but uh, a lot of, a lot of governments. And so while markets are currently open and functioning, you know, what DFA's portfolio management compliance teams, they're, they're actively monitoring this rapidly evolving situation. Um, they reduce the weight of, of Russia in their emerging markets and global equity portfolios after the sanctions uh, were imposed in, in 2014. Yep. Um, so that, and then that was following the annexation of uh, Crimea. So, you know, Russian de- denominated bonds, they're not eligible in our fixed income portfolios because of that. And so they're they're actively looking at this stuff all the time. Yeah, that's right. And so as of the end of uh, 2021, Russian equities specifically represented anywhere from 0.3 to 1.8% of the emerging markets 
uh, mutual fund, <clears throat> and that's compared to about three and a half percent in in kind of a broad emerging markets index. So when you look at 0.3 percent to 1.8 of a, an emerging markets fund that we own, like in portfolios, you know, four to six percent, it's a very small yeah. percentage yeah. in Russia. Um, and uh, we also have seen the same thing in, in Chinese companies as well. There's certainly been some um, some some companies that have been um, you know pulled back from Russia as well. So you know, for weeks um, and months after the original order took place for Chinese companies back in November of 2020, um, you know, fund managers sought some some clarity on the scope and the you know the restrictions associated with those stocks. So it's something that we look at, and, mm-hmm. and we don't want to have too much in one country. It's very very diversified. And in some cases, you know, geopolitical events have actually led to market closures, and it impacts all stocks for a while. Back in 2015, Greece closed for a couple of months. And in mm-hmm. 2011, the Egyptian market closed for over a month. And it's not always emerging markets. The Tokyo Exchange closed for about 10 days um, back in 2019. And obviously, in, in, 20, in 2001, um, September 11th closed the stock market. Uh, for for quite a few days, so th- you know what we're going through now is it, it is unusual, but it's also there's a history and there's some some more data we'll share with you. But from a fund company standpoint, um, we, we try to be conservative on having too much in some of these emerging markets. Yeah, yeah, and these types of market events, you, you know, like you shared, they're really not new. Um, the form they take, they can vary. You know, we've seen other examples over the decades during which we've uh, we have managed portfolios, including currency. Um, repatriation restrictions in Malaysia in 1997, the introduction of capital controls in Argentina in 1999, um, and a successful coup d'etat in Thailand that led to market closure in 2006. So yeah. there's, there's varying reasons, varying um, as to why these sorts of events can happen. Yeah, and so looking at the the DFA mutual fund, I mean, they have a lot of flexibility in, in where they're investing, and they can make changes pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they also invest in thousands of stocks across the world. So uh, unlike a traditional index fund, um, DFA is not constrained to just the benchmark action. So I mean, we see some examples of this, and Zach, you'll go through this in a minute. But, you know, when you seek to track an index, it really limits that mutual fund because they have to mirror that index, and it takes away that flexibility. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we like about DFA, and again, this is really detailed, is their flexible approach. Um to situations like this, they're able to manage it really on a daily basis and uh, try to limit exposure um, for certain sectors as we go through these, you know, crazy times. Yeah, yeah. And so, if you think about, um, you know, January seventh, two thousand twenty-one, the MSCI announced it would drop China Mobile, China Telecom, China Unicom for certain benchmarks effective at market closing prices the following day, as part of a larger set of moves by the major index providers to remove sanctioned Chinese stocks. From their indices, and so together, these stocks represented more than 0.5 percent of the MSCI Emerging Markets Index. And funds tracking the index would then need to sell their entire positions in those stocks at the market close on January 8th. Yeah, the next day. Right, if they wanted to minimize their tracking error versus the index. Yeah, so which a lot of people do. I mean, they they try to tra- you know track exactly like right. the index. The way DFA handled it is they had to get out of those stocks as well. Um, but they don't have to track a specific index. So they, they waited patiently and cautiously to get out of those at, at the right time. So if you're trying to sell it when everybody else is selling, you're going to get a very low price. Right. Right. So they, they monitored it. And um, the flexibility also 
help them in that situation. So yep. again, the you know the DFA process, the the, the mutual fund company that we use. Uh, has some flexibility. They are conservative. They they do look at the the stock portfolio daily. Um, when new money comes in or money comes out, they figure out where to to trade in these individual stocks. And and uh, these geopolitical events impact that. And they do happen occasionally. Um, so there's always always something out there in the world that's uh, going on that you have to take a look at. So, yeah. So that uh, we're going to switch gears here and do the uh, the question of the week. And and this question we're getting a lot now is what should I do? When markets drop uh, so much due to an unusual event, and uh, just a couple couple of data points here. This is uh, pretty interesting. Back in February on the twenty fourth, I don't know if folks remember that day, but we were certainly watching it. The stock market was down anywhere from three to four percent mm. in the in the morning time, and it closed up three to four percent higher. Yeah. So yeah. it was a six to eight percent swing to the good. Yeah, right. In one day, we'll take that. Yeah, that's but, right. And so in the morning, you're panicking. In the afternoon, you're like, "Woo!" Right. You know, everybody's yeah. happy and so forth. But it really goes to show that you cannot make just emotional know. choices. I mean, that's that's really called can't. yeah. I mean, when you are when you're trading like that, that's a short term thing, and you don't want to get into that. Vanguard really uh, produced a really nice um, kind of infographic, if you will, and it goes back to some of the other geopolitical sell-offs that we've seen. Uh, the 62 Cuban Missile Crisis, 1974, uh, the Nixon impeachment proceedings, uh, 79, the Iranian hostage crisis, 79, also the Soviet uh, invasion of Afghanistan. Um, in 2014, there was a Ukraine conflict. Yeah. So it goes through eight different um, geopolitical events over over time. And what it shows is there is an initial sell-off typically. I mean, the, the negative mm-hmm. news hits, um, the markets go down. But six months later, the markets were up 5%. And a year later, they were up 9% from the event. So yeah. we don't know where this is going to end. Um, but it's not the first time it's happened. Right. And so what should you do? Um, honestly, you should not do anything from a from a timing standpoint. If you want to put money in when it's down, that's okay. Yeah. Um, and we do some rebalancing. We're actually going through that in clients' accounts. And that means selling some bonds and going buying stocks when they're yeah. low. Yeah. So um, just don't panic. Um, it is an emotional time. It's very difficult I think most people do feel, um, you know, for the Ukrainian people, what they're going through. And uh, it, it is difficult, um, you know, just from a human standpoint. But from a market standpoint, leave your investments alone. Um, you know, if you want to do some rebalancing and also add some money, those are some good actions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 6.6% swings in a day. You just can't. Oh, my goodness. You know, yeah, you, you probably panic at the bottom and then it goes up and then you panic and buy back in and then you've lost you know, whatever the yeah. four or five percent, and then and then it just it it just causes you to worry too much. It does, it does, so. and you know the history, you know the S and P five hundred going back, you know eighty ninety years, it's averaged about ten percent a year with all of these, mm-hmm. you know, bear markets and and geopolitical events, and so the the data says stay invested, stay invested. Uh, make yeah. sure you're diversified. That's right, right. and um, you know make sure your risk level is a right level as well, and obviously past performance doesn't guarantee future results, but. Knowing history a little bit, I think, helps in these situations. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, we're going to switch gears here and uh, talk about our kids a little bit, how to yes. motivate them uh, to save, and maybe just maybe we should just talk about how to motivate them, period. Yeah. yeah that, to we, do anything. We will. We, we're going to talk in all, uh, about all that today. So, <laughs> you know, today, yeah, we'll look at this. this. This is from a series of articles from Kiplinger's, Forbes, other, other uh, uh, sites that I kind of looked at and generated this. And so it'd just be fun to talk about yeah, what what they had to say, what you have to say from experience, what I've ex- what I've seen in, in uh, yeah. the, the few years I've had, I've had my kids. So 
you know, we talk about the importance uh, of getting started early with helping their children save money a lot um, because it's really it's no surprise. It's not it's not necessarily how much one saves, but it's the length of time mm. that money has to grow, yep. which is the key to, to good retirement planning. And so the question we have today is really how how do we motivate our kids to save money? You know, it's one thing to save for them. That's that's easy to do. We can put yeah. money aside for them. Sure. But how do we motivate them to be the kind of savers necessary to kind of chart a successful financial life? Yeah, we know that developing a discipline of saving is essential for long-term financial health. And so the question is, is how do you communicate that concept to kids when they're young? Um, especially when surveys say most kids with their parents had taught them more about money and saving when they're younger. And it's important to start early. I mean, research shows that attitudes towards money are already forming before the age of seven. So so how do we get this ball moving early? And how do we motivate our kids to be interested in savings? It's one thing to save. It's another thing to be excited about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so when we think about what motivates kids, it really is not too far off to what motivates adults, what, what motivates us. I mean, you... You think about yeah, what does motivate you? I think three things research shows motivate us: goals, rewards, mm-hmm. and incentives. Yep. So you know we're we're creatures. We enjoy rewards. Um, they can be financial rewards. They can be relational rewards. They can be experiential rewards. You name it. And we also like goals. What are we trying to achieve? What are the steps along the way to get to that end? We like to see our progress and get little incentives along the way. And so if we go back and think about well, that's kind of what we like. Well, let's go think about our children. What sorts of rewards do they enjoy? Uh, what goals motivate them? Whether they're six or 12, what sort of incentives do they gravitate toward? And I know each kid is going to be different. Like my daughter doesn't care at all about money. And anytime she gets money, she actually gives it to her brother. <laughs> really? And he, and he loves he loves counting it and organizing, you know, you, organizing bills and coins. And he loves that whole thing. You think he's doing something behind the scenes? I mean, like, probably. You know? <laughs> And she'll just get, you know, whether my parents will give her money or she'll do a job around the house, she'll get money and, she, and I'll check her jar and it's like, it's you, where'd you go? Where'd you, where'd you put it? It's like, I wanted to give it to my brother, right? Because I love him. I'm like, you're a special, you're a special person. <laughs> and then my brother, you know, doesn't, he, or my son doesn't uh, yeah. reciprocate that at all. He just likes to, he just yeah, takes he likes to store it up and, yeah. and yeah, he, so anyway. There's lessons in both of those. Yeah. So those are my, my, my two older kids. My two younger kids are too young right now. But um, yeah, I don't know, John. I mean, you know, your kids are grown. Yeah. What did, what kind of things did you do? Yeah, and I'll, I'll uh, give credit to uh, to Dave Ramsey on this, and it, and it worked really well. I'll say the first part of it, we Tammy and I kind of did this on our own, but we would match our kids mm. when they saved. Now, when they got up to <clears throat> five or six or seven, so when they got twenty bucks for their birthday, if they put in ten, we would match them dollar for dollar. That's good. Well, it's good until they got a hundred. <laughs> And they put a hundred in there, and we would match it. So then we had to drop it down to fifty percent, and yeah. eventually twenty five percent, and eventually none. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so it that money did grow over time because they did get money, um, chores and earnings and so forth. And we actually put that money into a custodial account. So instead of just keeping it in the bank, mm-hmm. we actually bought mutual funds. And they didn't understand that concept until they got in their teens. Mm-hmm. But it gave us an opportunity to sit down and look at the statements and look at the growth yeah. over 10 or 12 or 15 years. That's and really powerful. Yeah, it is. And, and the, you know, the money grew. Um, they put money in over time. And that gave them a pool of money when they were in college that when they needed something, we were able to go to that pool um, the other thing that really worked, and this this came from Dave Ramsey, was um, when our kids turned 15, um, we opened up a, a checking account, and instead of giving them 
$75 a month, we would put that in their checking account mm-hmm. and let them figure out how to spend it. Uh, and it really changed my daughter. She wanted, at that time, she wanted to buy $80 jeans and it changed it to down to $20 because she go. was having to pay for it. Yeah. So, you know, that budgeting piece of it was very valuable and it's kind of tied in here. Um, but the saving piece of it, the matching is what we did initially. Yeah. It worked really well and then we did put it into mutual funds. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Something I've done with my kids uh, is... Kind of trying to instill the the idea of compound interest, you know, the eighth wonder of the world. How how do kids see that? And mm. so what we've done is uh, in their savings jar, you know, every week or every other week, I'll count it up, and I'll actually give them, you know, ten percent uh, if they keep it in that jar. Yeah. So I'll give ten percent, not quite match a hundred percent like you guys were doing. That's that's very generous, ten uh, percent. And but then they would see, okay, if I don't buy anything, then uh, then this this jar keeps growing. So it kind of teaches them the principles of investing. Yeah, before they can, you know, actually buy a mutual fund and yeah, and invest that's in it. So that's that's fantastic. something we've done. And, it's a great idea. And uh, also just <clears throat> sticker charts or kind of fill it in charts, something that they can see tangibly if they're saving up for oh yeah, a pair of jeans or mm-hmm. a Lego or whatever it is. Depending on what age your kid is, the principles really do remain uh, remain the same. So yeah, I think it's it's really just thinking what what gravitates you toward investing and what motivates you to uh, do certain things and thinking about that um, in your kids. And I think, as you were saying with your kids, if you have older children, um, yeah, maybe if they have a part-time job, open up a Roth for them, contribute, have them contribute $100 a month and see what that can do. Because even at, you, you mentioned earlier, 10% a year is the average returns in the stock market. So even at 8%, if you do $100 a month for 50 years at 8%, that leads up to roughly $800,000. That's amazing. For $100 a month, that's it. And now you have to adjust for inflation and all that stuff. But to think that it's just a little bit of effort over time creates such an amazing um, end, end result. So, yeah, I mean, what do you... Yeah. I mean, I know you did that stuff with your kids. And did, did they gravitate towards seeing that growth over time? They did. I, I like the visual that you did. And I think visuals are good in finance, whether you're paying off debt. You know, yeah. um, you see people raising money that, you know, fill in the charts right, and so exactly. forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like that visual concept. Uh, we didn't do that specifically. Um, but, uh, you know, I think also, you know, a little off the, 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 the uh, topic here, but teaching this, problem I think a lot of parents have is they don't understand it themselves. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, and the school systems think the parents are teaching them and the parents think the schools are teaching them and eh, no and, one, yeah, no that, one's teaching them. So this yeah. needs to be in schools as well. And actually we, our firm sponsors the Dave Ramsey curriculum in uh, five high schools in the CSRA. And I wish every single high school did it. But um, so, you know, the other thing is, is don't forget about cash. And I like this, this topic as well. I mean, plastic is, is handy and convenient and having statements and so forth, but it doesn't show the money like you were right. talking about a yep. minute ago. And, and your kids probably, they won't understand bank statements. And, and in many ways, money you know, flows electronically in and out of bank accounts. Um, but something that's physically transactional um, is the exchanging of cash. And it's emotional. And you see cash accumulate and you see it you know, exchange for groceries and clothes. I mean, Dave Ramsey talks about, you know, doing the envelopes. Right, exactly. And that's a very, yeah. very, very powerful concept. You put money in an envelope and when it's done, it's done. Yeah. It yep. is what it is. So um, I like the I like the visual piece of this. I think that's very, for me, it would be very important to. Yeah, especially for kids who don't, yeah, like you're saying, they, they just don't, they don't have the understanding of how money works to where like, yeah, they don't get a credit card statement. They don't see it all happening on the scenes. Yep. You just hand them one thing in the store, but when cash, it's actually 
you know, a hundred dollars looks different than $5. That's right. Absolutely. So some of the benefits of uh, establishing good money habits in kids, one of them is just teaching delayed gratification. I mean, learning to save is actually very important. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's more important than simply a, a money saving habit. I mean, it teaches discipline, delayed gratification. It talks about, you know, teaches goal setting and, and planning. And it's one of the most important character traits learned from saving money that's going to help them in the future. And uh, not just finances, but life as well. So, you know, that delayed gratification and waiting a little bit, it's hard. It's hard for adults to do yeah. that, right? <laughs> so teaching it. Starting it young. Yeah, yeah, teaching them young is, is really good. Another benefit is self-control. And when you wait patiently, earning something over time, it also builds one's self-control. And on top of that, you know, you tend to treat things you earn and pay for uh, yourself with greater care. And oh, yeah. we, we've seen that with our kids, um, you know, over time when they're, when they were paying for that out of their, their checking account, it was different than oh, yeah. when we gave them the money. Sure, so yeah. their, their, their ownership yeah. changed. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think, um, you know, those are great ways to motivate good benefits of saving habits. But I think overall, uh, the, the biggest thing that motivates or at least helps stick with your children is you modeling that good financial behavior yourself. Like you said, a lot of, even a lot of adults don't know this. So, so gear up, learn it, learn why it's important to save, learn why it's important to invest. Um, show your kids, even, you know, be transparent yourself with it. You know, obviously you don't want to be too transparent, but show things you're saving for mm-hmm. or show, hey, we're taking that vacation because we're putting money aside every month. And they say, and then that way they kind of get to participate with you in that delayed gratification and that, that self-control to say, hey, we're going on this vacation because we did, uh, we were diligent with our, with our money. And so I think just um, think about that way. And your kids are different the way your kids think about things different. So just, yeah, be creative. What do they like? What do they enjoy? Tie in saving money to that. Do they want to go to a basketball game? Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you want to get good seats. Say, okay, if you save, kind of like what you're saying, if you save a little bit toward that, I'll put it toward that as yeah, well, and we right. can go together. So, well, I think it's having conversations as well. It's yeah. just communication, and yeah. Um, yeah, I think teaching young is is so important. My, both of my kids, Matthew is is uh, now working with us, yeah. and he was always a a saver. Danielle was not as much until she got into high school, and um, she's a great saver now. So she she did listen, yeah, and it did change it did change her her perspective on, on money. And, um, she does fantastic now. And so does Matthew. So it, it, it does, it takes time, but starting early, I mean, you're how old your oldest? Yeah. He'll be eight soon. So seven, okay. yeah, seven. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great time. That's right. Yeah. Getting those lessons. Yeah. So yeah, that's how you motivate your kids. I like Start it. Start saving. So. I like it a lot. So, uh, next thing we're going to do is prescription of the week. And, um, the prescription this week is, uh, it's actually, uh, you probably didn't know this or maybe you did national credit education month. I now know. Yes, I know. But here's the cool thing that you want to do coming out of this is you want to go to annualcreditreport.com and check out your credit report. It's going to list uh, all the um, transactions, um, you know, from house payments to if you have credit cards to car loans. And, um, you know, there's, sometimes there's mistakes on there that you're going to want to get cleaned up. Uh, you can also see if people have um, tried to open, um, you know, credit under your name. So annualcreditreport.com, it's free. Um, you should do it annually and take a look at it. I be transparent. I have not done it this year. I typically do it on an annual basis. So my homework from this is I will go and and look at mine and and my wife's, uh, credit report, um, should, should be pretty quiet, but, um, you know, I've never found an issue on it, uh, historically, but there are a lot of issues that you need to take a look at. Yeah. It's a good, good discipline to put into place to make sure, you know, everything's looking, looking all right. So. 
Very good. All right. That's very good. So that's the end of our show. we uh, glad that you joined us. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, MoneyMD.net. Send us your questions and give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great rest of the week. Yeah, enjoy the weekend. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 